Welcome. Today is an exciting day. I've been waiting for this. I'm going to be talking with the person that I met who is an expert in a field that you may know nothing about. I didn't know anything about it until 12 years ago, and it made big changes in my life, and I'm excited to share them with you. My guest today is Chetan Parkin, and he is going to be talking to us about human design. So stay tuned. Welcome to Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. If you're ready to increase your confidence in conversations and conflict, deepen your self-awareness, expand your connectedness, and enrich your relationship with yourself and other humans you care about, and even those you wish you didn't, you're in the right place. Enjoy today's episode. so glad you're here with us today. This is going to be such an interesting conversation. And this is my guest, Chetan Parkin. And welcome to the program. Thank you, Roberta. So excited to be talking to you because we've met, we've talked, and I've been waiting for this opportunity to introduce to my listeners this amazing field of human design. And I only fell across it 12 years ago. And I must say that it made a remarkable impression on me when I read the report that I received. So let's go back to the beginning and tell people a little bit about how you became part of this. Well, in 1979, I had just finished a trip across Africa. It had been a six-month safari through Africa. I was a trained mechanical engineer, and it was a very grueling trip. But when the trip came to an end, I found myself absolutely stumped. I had no idea what to do next. I'd done all kinds of adventures in life as an engineer. I'd traveled all over the world. I'd done deep sea diving projects. I'd delivered motor yachts. I'd toured most countries on the world at one point or another. And here I was sitting in this gorgeous place in Africa and life just was not making sense anymore. Hmm. So at that moment, I knew I needed guidance. And I had a reading with this man. I traveled to India. I had a reading with this man in India, told me all about myself. And one of the things he told me, he said that I had the same gift he had of basically reading people, introducing people to themselves. And he said, get ready because there's a new system going to come into your life. You're going to introduce it to the whole world. You're going to write books about it. You're going to read for thousands of people. And it's going to change their lives forever. 1979. He encouraged me to start learning certain practices. I learned how to read hands. I learned how to read cards and faces and astrology and I Ching and all the different systems. And finally, 1993, this new system, human design, showed up in my life. And I knew right away this is what he'd been talking about. So since 1993, that's what I've been doing, Roberta, introducing human design to the world reintroducing people to themselves with this remarkable system. Great. Well, if you're already excited about this or intrigued by this, you can go to humandesignforusall.com, humandesignforusall.com, and you can even get a free report there. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later. So 1993, here we are in 2019, and... 
this is, I mean, life-changing stuff. And I say that from a point of view of having been introduced to it in a small way. Um, Oh, I guess it was about 2007. And a, a person was taking a course to become a human design facilitator. And she said, may I do your chart? And I had always thought, like, i got to make everything happen. I have got to push the river. I've got to do this using all kinds of energy um, to do this. And so I was very relieved to learn that perhaps that wasn't the best thing for me to be doing. So can you explain that so people can get a little flavor? Absolutely. Yes, Roberta. Most of us have been told, you know, go out into the world and make it happen. You know, you go to school, you learn all kinds of stuff and then go out and do it. And what we found with human design is most people and the vast majority, almost 90% of people are not designed in this way at all. That the universe is providing information for us to which we can then respond. But, you know, as long as we keep pushing and trying to force our way up river and stuff and rearrange things, then it just doesn't work for us. So one of the things in human design is we found that there are people that are very much energy types and there are people who are non-energy types. And the energy types are the ones that get things going. But as you say, it's not about forcing things to happen. It's not about manifesting things all the time but it's about being in tune with whatever life offers us. And in your case, as someone we say has a generator design, it's about responding to life. And we say responding from the gut, from the lower belly, like an energetic response rather than a mental response, because we'll find mental responses generally get us into trouble in life. Well, I found it interesting when I was reading up on what you do and reading my report Because going from the gut, going from that deep place of knowing, going from the lower chakras, if you like, um, being open to that and as, as giving you some guidance, as actually being the truth for you, and I think that that is very exciting. So I'm going to go really deeply into this, Chetan. Um, you say we've become conditioned from an early age, not only from the attitudes and behavior of the family and circumstances in which we are born, but we've also had ingrained in our genetic codes, unconscious patterns from our ancestry. So if that's the case, Can we change those codes? Should we want to change those codes? Is it possible? It is absolutely possible to move within those codes from a low frequency to a high frequency. Ah. And that is what my work is all about, is informing people, yes, there's many, many different levels. The design that you get at birth, it's perfect. The whole question is, how do you play with it? How do you work with it? Do you allow yourself to engage with life because of what the design tells you? Or are you always trying to follow everybody else's patterns? And you know, history in the world, you know, we go to school, we learn about history, geography, you know, so that has anything to do with our life whatsoever. You know, the last thing we're told about is how to be ourself. And so human design really tells you what is your blueprint for this lifetime and how to play it to the greatest fulfillment. Well, as you know, my work is all about helping the partners, exes, adult children of people who are relentlessly difficult and toxic. I call them hijackals. And if you're born into a home 
where this person exists as your parent, <laughs> you might have a very different experience than the one you thought you were born to. So if we are looking at that beginning, do you call that conditioning, being in a home where someone is a toxic parent? I'm sure there's much to be said about that, Roberta. I like to go a little bit further back in time to the moment of conception, to the moment at which the sperm meets the egg, the moment at which there is a sole agreement that is made to come into life. Now, at that moment in time when that agreement is made, we're coming out of a universe. There is no duality. And so, you know, we go through the process, the nine-month process or whatever it is. We come out into the world. We arrive in this family or in this situation. And all of a sudden, we're exposed to this thing called duality, where there is day and night, male and female, plus and minus, positive, negative, all these different things. Now, our sole agreement was to say, this is my agreement. I'm going to live and be in this situation. And so absolutely, one can arrive in an atmosphere that we would consider completely toxic. And then the whole thing is, okay, you made a soul agreement. What's that all about? <laughs> what are you going to do about it? You know, are you just going to wilt and fade and, you know, put that toxicity out into your life? Or are you going to learn how to go into hell, go deeply into hell, find your way out of it, and then be in a place to show everybody else how to get out of hell. And sure enough, when that is the pattern, all of a sudden, the consciousness of the planet starts to rise dramatically. So yes, I, I see we, all of us, you know, enter into, I mean, where is a functional family, honestly? You know, <laughs> is there such a thing? And all of us, you know, we make this sole agreement, we come in here, and what are we going to do about it? And that's the beautiful thing about human design because it starts giving you clues what you agreed to. You know, what were the cards you dealt yourself at birth and how to play them? Fascinating because I agree. Uh, but fascinating also when I think of my story because one parent wanted a child, the other parent didn't want a child. The parent who was carrying the child was the one who didn't want the child. <laughs> And yet I was this persistent little creature, an only child, of course. <laughs> and when I was two years old, my mother had a, what was then called a uh, mental breakdown, a nervous breakdown. She went away and she had electroshock therapy. And she came back a year or so later and unrecognizable. And, uh, you know, that's how my life was. I was left with a toxic person. A toxic person went away and came back more toxic. But I went to, I was drawn to spiritual things when I was three years old. And so I had gone and, and, and gone to church and done things because, of course, my parents didn't want me around. So if I wanted to go somewhere, they were great with it. And so I had that opportunity to look at them from a young age and go, there's something awfully wrong here. <laughs> so I understand completely what you're saying because it took years, years of learning and years of understanding the bits, the damage, and, you know, it continues to rise up. And so that soul agreement allows me to do the work that I do worldwide now. Absolutely. Because yes. I have that great understanding. I have that deep experience and was able to jump into that. 
And so I, I get what you're saying entirely, and therefore it creates a life work, or did for me. But for many people, I'm sure that they can go through life forever not recognizing that they have choice. Absolutely, Roberta. Uh, you and I have very parallel stories. I was an unwanted child myself, uh -huh. um, uh, conceived in a hurricane uh, and born uh, without a father and uh, just very strange circumstances. You know, just it would have been much better for my mother if I had not shown up. And like you, what does it do? It puts you on a spiritual path. There has to be an answer somewhere. There has to be ways of embracing this and coming to terms with it. As I say, you've got to go to hell. If you're going to, if you're going to help anybody on this planet, yeah. if you're going to be of any help to anybody else on this planet, you've got to go to hell first. You've got to experience, you've got to go right down, nose in the mud. And then you've got to realize this is no place to be. I need to get out of this. And you find your way out, whether it's through spirituality, whether it's through meditation, whether it's through yoga, whether it's through sports or exercises or dancing or whatever it is, you find your way out of hell. And then you're qualified, as are you, in these different ways of being able to facilitate for other people to recognize they're in hell. And there's no place to be and they need to get out of it. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, I, I think that the mud in my case was just something a little more fragrant uh, than mud. <laughs> so I want to um, get as much in as I can today. So you said something about um, self-love and I wanted to know what your definition of self-love is. We're born alone. We live alone. We die alone. That is our journey. We're a singular being. But along the way, we run into all kinds of situations. Uh, we run into all kinds of different people. And the, the experience of love, you know, love, the universe is love. That's the only game in town here. It's the only thing that's playing in this universe. And the most important thing to realize is the universe has gifted us this possibility to have this life. And as I say, if you find yourself in hell, you've got to get out of the hell to have a life. But the whole point of it is, in the end, the experience of love is an internal thing. Now, it may be triggered by people you meet, by your parents, by your siblings, by the, the ones that you fall in love with, by a dog or a cat or something. But the love is an internal experience. And it's coming to terms with that and appreciating that and recognizing this is exactly a right place to be. But it's an inside job. Okay. And in the end, it's, it's all about, in the first place, accepting. This is my life. You know, I have been entrusted, gifted with to have this life. It's my life. I'm not here to live anybody else's life. You know, there's all kinds of examples of, you know, Hollywood and all kinds of dramas in life. You know, should I play this part? Should I play that part? No, we come here to play our own part. We're in a unique presence in this world. And so self-acceptance is the first state. This is my life. This is me. This is my responsibility. And then realizing, my goodness, what an extraordinary planet I've been put on. What an extraordinary possibilities there are here. And slowly, 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 we start recognizing, wow, I really do love myself in my life. 
Okay, I'm so glad I asked that question because I was on a on a, an interview show the other day, and I was the guest. And the toward the end of the interview, the interviewer Kim O'Neill she said to me, "Well, what do you think about self love?" And I automatically rolled my eyes. And here's why, <laughs> because what you describe beautiful. I'm totally on board with that. But what we're hearing out in the world so generally about self-love has been tainted somehow. It's We're living in a much more entitled time. We're living with a narcissistic epidemic. Um, so self-love somehow then says, oh, well, I'm entitled to have all this going on. And so I, we, I really wanted to hear from you as to what that was. And, and so that first step of self-acceptance, yes. You know, when um, Charles and I wrote um, Soul Solitude, taking time for our souls to catch up, we talked about the four uh, things that we have to get into place in our life, these gifts and their acceptance, gratitude, trust, and surrender. And that acceptance coming at this self level is very, very important. So I'm glad that, that you answered that. Now, I also want to ask a question about another phrase that has become really common, and people like to use it in their marketing a lot, and I think you probably have a much deeper understanding of it. So you use this term, ultimately fulfilled. What does it mean to be ultimately fulfilled in life? <laughs> So, you know, going along with what you were just saying, we've been gifted with all these different things in life. You know, we could be very possessive. You know, I'm entitled to have this, entitled to have that. And, you know, in the end, I've met so many miserable millionaires. You know, people that have every possible thing available to them, they don't know what to do with it because they haven't come to that self-acceptance. They don't feel like they deserve it. They don't know what to do with it. And so... The only true wealth in life is personal fulfillment. And in the third book we wrote, um, part of how we introduced that book was from something I read from this hospice worker in Australia, Bonnie, and she wrote about uh, people that were in their last days of their life. You know, they, they, did, they had a few conversations left and they were looking back over their life and, and having these regrets that they've always done what everyone else had suggested for them, that they'd never really lived their own life. And she said that, she heard it over and over and over again. People just, oh, you know, if only I could go back and start this again. And so I say, you know, absolutely crystal clear, the only true wealth in life is personal fulfillment. How do you become fulfilled? By living a life that is true to yourself, right? Yes, yes. You see, I, I know that when you use those words, they are different than the general parlance of marketing language. And I just wanted everybody to be really aware of that. And if you've just joined us, my guest is Chetan Parkin, and he is an expert, a world expert and authority on human design. And if you'd like to learn more about his work, go to humandesignforusall.com. And he has a free gift there for you. You can get a free report. And um, you just go to humandesignforusall.com slash free 
report or it's in the top corner of the website anyway you'll find it easily so I want to talk about the difference between you use the term our conditioned self and the difference between our conditioned self and our conscious self I'm sure you have some insights about that oh goodness yes (laughs) I mean yeah I come out into the world and I would be called a bastard you know, because I don't have a father at the time. And so immediately, right, there's a label that's pasted right on me. I go to boys' boarding school, and, you know, there's all these different labels. You're good at this and bad at that, and learning about everybody else's life systems and stuff. So then going to church, you know, and it's like, what kind of church? If I was born in a Buddhist community or a Mohammedan community or a, you know, Christian community or whatever, 300 major religions on the planet. So there's all these different layers of things that get piled on top of us. And so in the end, most people get absolutely buried in everybody else's understanding about what life is. And the honest truth, Roberta, nobody knows what life is. I don't care who you ask. You can ask Muhammad, you can ask Jesus, you can ask Buddha, Krishna, whoever you like. Nobody knows what life is. We're here to have this adventure. Now, sure, there are certain rules and things that are set up for us to kind of give us boundaries. But in the end, what we're moving into in this particular point in time in the world, going into what we call the Aquarian age, we're moving into a time of personal responsibility. And all these rule systems that have been set up, all these religions that have been set up, they're going to start finding less and less effect for us in life, Mm -hmm. that we really are moving into a time of personal responsibility. And that is why I really enjoy human design so much, because it puts you on the map in your own life. It puts you in present tense in your own life, equipped to deal with anything that confronts you. Wow, a lot. I hope everybody is as intrigued by this, and I don't mean that in a light way. I'm not, I'm not just curious about it in a light way at all, because I've had an experience of it, and it was changing for me. Yeah. And I hope that people are, are more than curious, that they really will have a look at this. Um, you say that human design is a self-remembering device. What does that mean? Well... When you understand your design, and it's a unique design, you know, as I say, there's no duplicates in the whole of the universe. So when you understand your design and how it works for you, you know, you are then, as I say, equipped to deal with whatever it is that life puts your way. So being true to yourself, according to your design, and as you found it, your design, you have this generated design. So there's this whole thing about a gut response. For me, I have what I call a projector design. It's one of five different types. We each have one of these types. And a projector design is always attuning to the world around us to find out, you know, what is it that really resonates with us? There are people that we call manifesting generators. There are people that we call manifestors. There are people we call reflectors by design. They're each different, and they have very, very different ways of interacting. And then also in human design, there's what we call authority, how we make decisions. And there are six of these different authorities. We each have one for our whole lifetime. And once you understand how your authority works on your terms, as I say, you're equipped to make decisions, whatever it is that's confronting you, on your terms, according to your perfect, unique design. So, yeah, this human design is such a gift for these times, Roberta. Just 
helping us tune into what it is that's really for us to experience in this life. Life is on our side. Life wants us to succeed. But if we're playing somebody else's game, we're trying to play according to somebody else's rules, copying somebody else's lifestyle or what they've suggested for us, it's a hopeless thing. Yes, and people do like to tell us what's best for us. <laughs> so, you know, there are a lot of opinions out there that are happily shared. So this is a very introspective kind of thing to do for ourselves. And I recommend it, you know, go to humandesignforusall.com. I can say that a hundred times, but it's in the show notes. Go there and also the link to the free report. I think that Really understanding that you as a human being have an amazing opportunity of a lifetime. I talk about that a lot, that you as an individual have an opportunity of a lifetime. And if we don't get curious about what the possibilities of that opportunity are, we can miss it. You know, we can just lie down have a beer, watch TV, and let it go by. <laughs> and, and if we're not that kind of person, if we're curious, if we can say, am I actually um, living according to why I was on this planet? You know, one of the things I, I talk with folks about is, do you know how unlikely it is that we exist? You know, when you think of one egg and a million sperm and the possibility of, repeating the experience of the sperm looking for the egg and one finally <laughs> creating us is just an amazing thing to think about. So that's the meaning of unique, you know, that that could possibly happen and that you could come into existence. And what about your offerings once you get here? What about the possibilities? What about the learning? What do you do with that learning? How do you get a foundation? Which I think one of the ways to get a foundation is to look at human design so that you understand what happened when you arrived on that particular day, at that particular time, in that particular location. So I really encourage people to do it. Now, I'm really interested in personal stories. So how have you learned personally to navigate toxic relationships when they show up? The bottom line is to be true to oneself. So, and within that being true to oneself, to recognize you either engage with the toxicity or you find a key to move into a higher frequency and get out of it. So what I found in this world, you know, we could look around the world and say, wow, there's so much chaos at the moment, so many toxic things going on, you know, whether it's political or religious or racial or gender-based or whatever, there's so many toxic possibilities. But to me, these things exist because of a negative mindset. Mm -hmm. And I'm not all about positive thinking necessarily. You can't have the negative without the positive. You know, they've both got to be here. The question is, as a conscious individual, where are you going to put your attention? Are you going to keep on endorsing the negative mindset? Oh, it's all so messed up and it's so dreadful and life's terrible and the world's a shambles. Or are you going to say, well, you know, there's another side to that as well. And if we look around us in this world, everything is celebrating except human beings. Trees are waving in the breeze. Birds are singing. Dogs can't help but wag their tails. 
You know, everything is celebrating. Flowers are blooming. Everything is in a state of celebration except human beings because we settle for this low frequency. Mm-hmm. And the moment we start shifting into a higher frequency, and human design can really guide us into that higher frequency, and it's absolutely the work that I do with people on a personal level and in the trainings that we do is showing people how to move out of this high, low frequency into a higher evolved state. Oh, see so much. Like I said, aren't you all just very, very excited about the possibility of learning these very interesting and basic underlying things about who you are as a unique human? <laughs> I certainly hope so. Um, so exciting to talk to you, Chetan. I've waited to do this. I'm excited to do this. Maybe sometime we'll do it again. Um, so many questions. Could ask so many questions, but I'm not going to uh, ask those ones further. I'm going to ask you, though, what would be the last piece of wisdom you would like to share with our listeners that maybe we haven't spoken of regarding your work? Our nature is to be joyous. Our nature is to be celebrative. And if you cannot find the joy in your life and you cannot find that means to celebrate, and I'm not meaning, you know, get intoxicated and drunk and stoned and all that in terms of celebration. I'm talking about a natural state of life being a celebration. If you can't find that, then we have something for you, which is get your free human design report, get your comprehensive human design report from our website, get our books. The first book we wrote, this human design book, it's in 14 languages now. It's a bestseller all over the world. And do a little bit of homework (laughs) and start finding out what is your design? What was it that you agreed to before you came in here? And start working with it just a little bit. I call it a self-remembering device. You understand about how your design works and you start recognizing what life is offering you and how to play with it. So isn't that going to contribute to your emotional savvy? And won't it just transform your relationship with yourself and with other humans? Because you'll see them differently. Very exciting. Thank you so much for being my guest. And uh, I look forward to getting a more comprehensive printout for myself. This is Chetan Parkin. And you find him at humandesignforusall.com. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. You find me at transformingrelationship.com. And I hope that you will join us here. Listen to other episodes. There's so much variety here. So many different things to stimulate your thinking, to become a more emotionally savvy human and understand those other humans that you may be interacting with, whether you want to or not, or whether you have to or not. And these are important things. Also join me on YouTube. My channel is called For Relationship Help, F-O-R, Relationship Help. Until we talk again, Treat yourself very, very well because you're precious and you matter. Talk soon. Thanks for being here for today's episode of Emotional Savvy. If you want to deepen your emotional savvy, make shifts in your relationships, and enjoy life and relationships more, work with me, Dr. Roberta Shaler. 
Get my books, enjoy my courses, or work with me directly. You can do that by visiting forrelationshiphelp.com, F-O-R, relationship, H-E-L-P.com, and subscribe to Tips for Relationships now. Don't miss a thing. Be empowered this week with more emotional savvy.